Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. As of March 7th, you can join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at our new church home at 5103 Pegasus Court. You can also continue to watch online on Facebook or through the Church Center app. Either way, we hope you join us. Now, let's check out Sunday's message. Good morning, Collective. I'm Maggie. I'm one of the leaders here. I just want to say happy Mother's Day. Today is a day that comes with a spectrum of emotions because of what it means to each of us. Some of you are celebrating because you've been fortunate enough to have healthy pregnancies and healthy babies. Some of you might be excited to celebrate your first Mother's Day as you await the birth of your first child. Some may be struggling through the grief of a miscarriage. Maybe you've been praying for a baby to hold for a long time and you don't see those answers coming. Some of you have endured the loss of a child. Others of us are adoptive or foster moms or stepmoms. Maybe kids aren't in your plans. Some of you have kids who are grown and they have kids of their own. Maybe you don't talk to your kids. Maybe you've lost your mom. Maybe this is another difficult year because we're still living through a pandemic and your family can't celebrate the way that you'd like. But no matter where you find yourself today, we just want you to know that here at Collective, you do not have to go through that alone, and we are so glad that you're here. As DJ shared a few minutes ago, on your way out the door today, we would love for you to take a flower to plant. This is our third year of celebrating Mother's Day with having plants for people to take home. Even at the beginning of COVID, we hoped that it would continue to be a symbol of hope, so we held our drive through Mother's Day flower pickup. And if you participated in that event last year, I hope those flowers were just that. While today can lead to any number of hard, beautiful, mixed or bittersweet emotions, we hope that these flowers can be a reminder to you of God's goodness, his renewal, and hope. A few years ago, I had a student who was, by what I considered, the exemplary student. She worked hard, she asked questions when she was confused, and she treated all of her classmates with kindness. Everyone wanted to be her friend because she was funny and thoughtful. On the exterior, everything seemed great. She came from a loving home, she did great academically, and she was friends with pretty much every student in the grade. And I didn't notice it at first, but probably two to three months into the school year, I started noticing the pattern of her, of her coming to school late. At first, it started with just getting there right after the bell had rung, but as the year went on, the tardies started piling up, and it became later and later in the morning, and sometimes she would miss entire days. It wasn't until late October that her parents informed me that she was struggling with anxiety. Some mornings, they had to force her out of bed to come to school. Even on a seemingly normal day, when she felt perfectly fine, she was terrified of getting sick at school, and at times, it was paralyzing for her. Today, we are continuing our series, Inside My Head, where we're taking a closer look at our mental health, why it's such an important component to who we are, and what the Bible has to say about it. Last week, Pastor Michael reminded us that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle. This is a hard realization for any of us to come to, but self-awareness is often the first step to figuring out just what kind of help we need and where to find it. Today, we're going to take a look at anxiety and how to work through it and how we can look to the Bible when we find ourselves struggling. 
The American Psychological Association defines anxiety as an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. The APA describes people with anxiety disorders as usually having recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry. They may also have physical symptoms such as sweating, trembling, dizziness, or rapid heartbeat. As with all other mental health disorders, anxiety has a spectrum. And as much as we would love to say that we don't ever fall on that spectrum, it simply isn't true. While some of us may not have a diagnosis of anxiety or of an anxiety disorder, anxiety is a part of everyday life. It's one of those things that we try to tell ourselves doesn't exist so we can avoid the challenges or the pain that come with it. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the US, affecting 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and older, or 18.1% of the population every year. Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only 36.9 of those suffering receive treatment. People with an anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. So the first thing that I want us to realize is anxiety isn't new. It's nothing new. The focus on mental health has certainly been more evident in recent years, and I think that's a great thing, but mental health issues have always been around. It's just that we're not comfortable talking about them. To talk about them requires vulnerability, and that makes people uneasy. Maybe the word anxiety puts a bad taste in your mouth, but it's simply a synonym of worry. It may take on a stronger connotation in certain instances, but the core emotion is the same. It's one that we're prone to as humans and has been around forever. When we look at the Bible, there are plenty of examples of people sharing about their anxiety or worries, even back in the Old Testament or the first half of the Bible. The writer of Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24 writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. King David, who was known as the man after God's own heart, wrote this psalm as a reflection of how well God knows us and our thoughts. He reflects on God's presence in his life and just how deeply connected God is. But at the same time, he invites God to search his thoughts and worries because he knows they exist. He isn't trying to hide from them. Last week, Michael read from when David shared his struggles with God. David was no stranger to the ups and downs of life. And what I love about this psalm in particular is the comfort that David seems to have in sharing every emotion with God. There is a closeness that he has to where he's not ashamed of telling God, his creator, that he has anxiety. Later in the book of Proverbs, Solomon, the son of David, and the man known as the wisest man to ever live, wrote, worry weighs a person down, an encouraging word cheers a person up. In other translations, we may see the word anxiety instead of worry, but remember, these two words are synonymous. Worry, anxiety, weighs us down. It can captivate our thoughts and lead us down rabbit holes that can overwhelm us. If you've been here with us in person, 
or watching over the past few weeks, I'm going to put a question in your mind to rest. Yes, I am expecting. I tried to wear some concealing shirts, but at some point when it's your first, fourth kid, excuse me, fourth kid, you can't hide it anymore. If you started watching us last year when we went on Collective Online, um, no, this is not a time warp. I am not still pregnant from last year. Our son Daniel just celebrated his first birthday, and in five months, he will become a big brother. And I share this because pregnancy is a huge source of anxiety for me. I feel pretty ill well past the first trimester, and I am always worried that something could go wrong. We've experienced the loss of our first son, and almost every woman I know has either struggled with infertility or miscarriage. I hold my breath at every appointment when that Doppler searches for a heartbeat or when the sonogram begins because I'm terrified of what might show up on that screen. It's easy to allow anxiety and worry to overrun because I have no control, and that scares me. When researching the topic of anxiety and most of its triggers, I don't think many will be surprised when I mention finances, social gatherings, our health, work, school, or relationships. It was interesting to see the varied lists depending on where I was looking, but truthfully, anything can be a trigger for anxiety. Each of us has our own life experiences that shape us and the way that our mind works. What may be insignificant for me could be extremely unsettling for someone else. But again, this struggle isn't new. Jesus spoke to people about the worries that they had. He knew especially how easy it was to let our thoughts run wild and take us away from the present. In Matthew 6.34, he says, So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today, today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus knew the damage that worry and anxiety cause. He knew that it impacts our physical and our mental well-being. And he was aware that we can't be the best versions of ourselves when we're consumed with worry. So often, the things that lead us to anxiety are things that are out of our control, and we fixate on them because we don't like having lack of control. And that takes our focus away from what's happening right then and there. Brene Brown, who studied shame and vulnerability and has written many books on what she calls wholehearted living, has described our tendencies when facing anxiety in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, this way. Some of us respond to anxiety by overfunctioning and others by underfunctioning. Overfunctioners tend to move quickly to advise, rescue, take over, micromanage, and get in other people's business rather than look inward. Underfunctioners tend to get less competent under stress. They invite others to take over and often become the focus of family gossip, worry, or concern. This probably hits home on some level. When faced with anxiety, you either go in one direction or the other, and if we let it, that drive to either overfunction or underfunction can take control. And this is when we need to humble ourselves and ask for help. I hope that when Michael said, it's okay to not be okay, it gave you a sense of relief. I hope that you were able to hear it and know that, that it was sincere. I'm thankful to be a part of a church that doesn't steer away from the messiness of life. I'm even more thankful to follow and serve a God that doesn't do that either. You heard this last week, but it's something that you're going to hear over and over here again, again here at Collective. 
Jesus wants to carry your burdens. God cares about your burdens. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers rest for our souls. Rest. What a beautiful thing. I think it's safe to say that we all need rest for our souls. Life is hard all on its own. Add worry and anxiety on top of that, and it can be soul-crushing. But rest, peace, that is something that can help melt away the exhaustion that our minds are creating. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. When we struggle with mental health battles, it can be incredibly isolating. We may feel unheard, misunderstood, misrepresented. If we make the decision to follow Jesus, not only are we choosing God's grace, his endless second chances, we are also gaining the love and compassion of someone who knows our burdens and chose to be our savior, our rescuer. Allowing Jesus into our pain takes us out of isolation and allows us to begin the hard work that it takes to endure this mental health battle. And if you caught that last line, yes, I said work. Experiencing anxiety and working to combat anxiety are two very different but uncomfortable things. The Apostle Paul, known as the greatest church planter, was no stranger to difficulty. He endured one hardship after the other after he began following Jesus and spreading his good news around the world. In the book of Philippians, he writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now notice that Paul doesn't say that God will take away your worry. He encourages us to pray about everything rather than worry. Prayer rather than worry can lead us toward peace. When we recenter our mind on Jesus, rather than the inundating thoughts of anxiety, we can find that rest that Jesus promises us in Matthew 11. When I sense that I'm beginning to travel down a rabbit hole of anxiety, I have to take time to recognize what is happening, and I have to ask God for help to pull me out of it. I don't say anything profound. It's usually something like, God, help me. I'm feeling anxious. Simply naming what's happening and trusting God to be there is enough to bring me back to the present. Earlier, I read from Psalm 139, which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Before David asks God to know his anxious thoughts, he talks about how intimately God knows him, how he is fearfully and wonderfully made. This psalm is one that I cling to when I stress and worry, and I feel all of that building up, especially during pregnancy. It brings me comfort because I can let go of that need for control because it's usually over something that I absolutely have no control of. And it reminds me that the child that I'm growing is under the care of a God who knows him intimately and is creating him uniquely. I know that I can release that anxiety because as much as I love my kids, God loves them more. And I trust, even as scary as parenthood is, that God knows and he understands my fears. God wants to be present with us in our worry. When we choose prayer, we're allowing him into our anxious thoughts. So I want to give you a challenge. 
I want to encourage you to pray every day this week for a minute and invite God to be a part of your thoughts. Set a reminder on your phone at the same time every day or find an app like Echo where you can set up prayer reminders to remind you to pray for yourself. Anytime you feel those worries creeping into your mind, take a deep breath and it'll ask God to be present with you. Prayer might be something that you're not comfortable with, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus and that's okay. When you notice those anxious thoughts, take a deep breath, recognize what's going on, and take a minute to refocus. Remember that putting a name to how you're feeling has a lot of power. But I also want to encourage you to think about what it might be like to allow God into those moments. But to be clear, this doesn't mean that by choosing prayer over worry that all of our difficulties will go away. This isn't a promise that Jesus makes. In fact, he promises us the exact opposite. In John 16, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. But again, here's Jesus offering us peace. So what does it look like to work through this battle? It's gonna be different for everyone, but one thing that I'm confident in is if you are here at Collective, whether it's your first time or you've been with us for over three years, you do not have to go through this battle alone. Reading the Bible and daily prayer are two pivotal components to this journey. Reading through stories of other people who loved God and had struggles can be such a freeing experience. Knowing that there is nothing that you could say to God through prayer that can make him love you more or less than he already does provides us with a safe space to be completely honest and vulnerable about where we are mentally and emotionally. If you don't know where to start, but you know that anxiety is something that you wrestle with, there are a few places that you can look. If you have the Bible app version, there are many devotions that you can choose that have a passage written by someone followed by scripture. There are plenty of different Bible plans that focus on anxiety. I have read many of them. You can also just search for the topic of anxiety and it'll provide you with verses that you can read through, videos that you can watch about those verses or related topics that you could read about as well. You can also go to openbible.info and search anxiety as well and find verses to read through if you don't have the YouVersion app. Either option's a great tool and you can use that to find out what the Bible says about the topic of anxiety. These two practices help us engage in our faith independently, which is important, but we need to remember that if we really look at the way we were created, we were created to be in community. God made us in his image, and he's a relational God. So whether you are introverted or extroverted, you are not meant to do life alone. You were not meant to battle anxiety or any other mental health issue on your own. The two best ways to find community here at Collective are to join one of our weekly small groups or to serve on one of our teams. And these are places where you get to do life with other people. I'm so thankful for Collective because my closest relationships are here. The people that I look to when life is great and when life is really hard are the people that I have grown closest to because of being a part of this church. When we find community, we find people that we can connect with. It takes a lot of effort on both sides if we want true community and it's going to require vulnerability. It takes time to build up trust, 
but when you know that the people around you are working through life just like you are, then there's no pressure to put on the facade of perfection, and it's a whole lot easier to build up trust. Dr. Harriet Lerner, who studies human connection, wrote in Psychology Today, when we share our anxieties and fears with friends and family members, we can learn how to receive comfort and accept help from others. By opening ourselves up and accepting support, we also help them to feel less alone or ashamed about their vulnerabilities and imperfections. So by allowing yourself to engage with others, you also open yourself up to the knowledge that sometimes the best thing that people can offer you is empathy. Most times, the best thing that someone can say is, hey, that's really tough, and I know that this anxiety is weighing you down, but I'm here for you. And other times, these friends might say, hey, have you thought about talking to somebody about this? But simply by opening ourselves up and being honest about what we're really going through, that's the first step in the right direction. Michael said it last week, and I think it bears repeating, you can love Jesus and have a therapist. Our staff here at Collective is an amazing group of people who will do just about anything to help people experience the love of Jesus. And one thing that I truly admire about this staff is that when they don't have an answer, they're willing to find the resources that will. Here at Collective, we fully believe that Jesus is the giver of peace and comfort. But we partner with places like the Mental Health Association for a reason. We know that sometimes our situations call for additional support, and that is absolutely okay. So what if you're struggling with anxiety and you're still figuring out this whole Jesus thing? One of the greatest things that we can do for ourselves is be honest and recognize that we don't have it all together. We live in this world where people's highlight reels have become this false sense of reality. And when we're struggling and we're in the pit of life, we look at this and come to this faulty conclusion that we're the only ones that don't have it together or that no one else knows what we're going through or that if we were really honest with the people around us, they wouldn't want to be around anymore. And that's where making the decision to follow Jesus and get baptized brings the ultimate freedom. Jesus walked this earth and endured the hardships of life just like we do every day. The difference is he was willing to love us enough in all of our brokenness, anxiety, depression, and failures to die for us and offer us new life. When we make the decision to follow Jesus and allow him to be the leader of our lives, we aren't gaining ease in this life. We talked earlier about how Jesus was clear that that life would be hard. But what we do gain is peace and rest and the love of someone who will give us endless second chances as we try to figure out how to best navigate life. And I'm confident that navigating life with Jesus at the center is better. So if that's something that you're wondering about or you simply want to talk to someone on staff about making the decision to get baptized, I want to encourage you to check the baptism box on your digital connection card. A few years ago, I started seeing a therapist. At the time, my life and marriage were a mess. And I started therapy to help me sift through the mess and figure out what to do and how to deal with it. I wanted her to help me make decisions that I couldn't make on my own. And what I got out of that time was not what I thought that I would get. I will never forget sitting on her couch and hearing her say, Maggie, you're a really anxious and stress-filled person, and I'm worried about you. I like to joke that my word for therapy was unsettling. 
Many sessions left me extremely unsettled and confused. I'd always pictured myself as this easygoing, fun person, which don't get me wrong, I am all those things, but I'm far more complex than that. And my mental health struggles are very real. By going to therapy, I gained invaluable tools that I'll use for the rest of my life when I have to work through the hard things. But I am confident that just as therapy was a lifeline for me, the combination of having professional help and having a relationship with Jesus is what's made me the woman I am today. Having the right tools is wonderful, but knowing that if I ask, I can have peace beyond my own understanding and rest for my very tired soul, that is the greatest gift I could ask for. Knowing that even when I feel totally isolated by my thoughts, that I'm not alone, that gives me a wonderful sense of peace. I have yelled, cried, maybe even cursed at God at different times in my life, but he has never left my side. I have allowed stress and worry to fill my mind to the point of exhaustion, and he has given me rest. God wants to meet you wherever you are. He wants to carry your burdens because he cares for you. Let's pray. Hey, God, we just come to you this morning so thankful that we don't have to do this life alone. God, to know that you want to be by our side when we are anxious, filled with worry, feeling completely isolated from anybody else, God, knowing that you want to be right there in the thick of it with us, that is just such a gift, and it can give us such peace knowing that we don't have to endure these things by ourselves. And so, God, I just ask that this morning that we would take time to recognize that you love us so much, that you want to be in our pain with us, God, that you want to give us strength when we don't have it, that you want to give us rest. And so, God, I just pray that today, a day that's filled with a lot of emotions for all of us, God, that we would just be able to seek after you and seek out that rest from you. We love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.